This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation, welcome back to another edition of Making Mount Rushmore here on the PTB Pop Experience. I am your host slash moderator slash panelist uh, for this episode, Steve Riddle, and we got a pretty good episode for today. We are continuing my little trek here that I've been doing this year of the what I call the underrated, overrated series. We, of course, have already done underrated, overrated songs and musicians. Now we're going to be hitting the big screen and talking underrated and overrated films and franchises. And I got a great pair of uh, gentlemen to help me out with that. Uh, First, let me bring in, he was on with me last month to talk East Coast and West Coast rap songs. Uh, So glad to have him back again. He's, of course, one half of the Wrestling War Zone over on the North South Connection feed on both podcast form and YouTube form. It is Mr. Chad Cam. Chad, how are you, sir? Doing good, Steve. Happy to be back again this month. A uh, li- little nervous. I think uh, this, this may be where I turn heel uh, for some people when I get to my overrated list, but we'll see. Even some of my uh, podcast co-hosts. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, we, we we might be uh, we might be making a lot of enemies here with this podcast, this, <laughs> yeah. this episode. So, but so we might have to uh, be treading lightly with here. But um, but let's also bring in another guest. He's been on before. It's been a while for him, but I'm glad to have him back. He also can be found on the North South Connection uh, as part of Cronoso, as well as his own show, The Multiverse of Fabulousness, along with Keith Langston. It is Mr. Johnny C. Johnny, how are you, sir? Steve, I'm doing well, and unlike Chad, I, I've been waiting to turn heel for some time now. But I'm going to be a heel that also believes that he's right and proves that he's right, because I'm ready to throw some movies under the bus. <laughs> so you're basically going to be the uh, Bret Hart circa 97 of this uh, episode. Okay, I, I'd never want to be compared to Bret Hart again. <laughs> but I appreciate the compliment, because at least heel Bret Hart 97 was pretty cool. Uh, well, well, Tim Cable here, he would have he would have been more accepting of that. But <laughs> okay. um, but let's go ahead and get started. Um, as I said, we are, of course, t- talking films and franchises uh, for our underrated and overrated. And of course, we will start with the underrated. Um, these films and franchises that we think don't get um, don't get the love that that they should from uh, from other audiences. Uh, we got some good um discussion that I think we're going to have here. So, Johnny, we'll start off with you. Uh, give us the first entry in your Mount Rushmore of underrated films and or franchises. Sure. So so this is a franchise, and I'm going to include all the films in the franchise for completion's sake, even though not all of them really fit the bill. But that's sort of a cross uh, section of you know the franchises that I've chosen. I'm going with the Superman franchise, specifically the Christopher Reeve quadrilogy, which I think is a word that 20th Century Fox made up to sell alien box sets, but that's fine. Superman, the movie, Superman, the motion picture, or just Superman, I don't know what you want to call it, with Marlon Brando, Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, and others, is such an amazing piece of cinema. It it created it's so funny because people think about the comic book film genre and and people always say well it had that sort of haze where people made the movies and they started to become profitable and then finally uh, you get nolan in here and he takes it seriously and i'm always like wait a minute did you see how seriously richard donner took superman and then to another extent his version of superman to the richard donner cut these movies i mean it's the godfather 
in terms of, I mean, they're written by Mario Puzo, for God's sakes. There is not one wink at the camera in, in, in the first two films at all. Now, the second film, of course, if you watch the Lester version, um, you know, it's a little more what have you. And then Superman 3, I, I unapologetically love Superman 3, okay? I really do. I love Richard Pryor. I love the nonsense. I love when Richard Pryor gets drunk and wears a giant cowboy hat, all right? I would, I would pay money. To, to watch that scene. I think it's so funny. Superman 4, not so much. But my main point is that we're in this era of like superhero fatigue. And I know The Flash made a lot of people think about Christopher Reeve. It made me think about it. And I rewatched Superman and Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. And my God, you will believe a man can fly. That was cheesy, but I believe it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I think... Especially in the last couple of years, because I know the um the you know the DC films have kind of gotten maligned these last couple of years, particularly you know with just some of the decisions made and everything. And I think it has made a lot of people more nostalgic for that original Superman tr- franchise. Um, I mean, when most people think of you know Superman, the first guy they think is Christopher Reeve because he made that you know character so synonymous with um with film back in the late seventies and early eighties and. You know, and like I said, Gene Hackman was was Lex Luthor, and um, you know the films did. You know, could argue they got a little bit worse as time went on, and they didn't. You know, one and two were kind of the um, the ones more held in high regard. Um, but like I said, I think just with um, with what's you know with what's been released in the last couple of years, um, it's given maybe given fans a little bit more of appreciation of those original films. Um, so, Chad, did you have anything else to say about the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman films? Uh, no, I've only seen the first two, which from the comments you guys had, uh, uh, that may be a good thing. But um, I, I came I came way late to these. Like I was well into my teenage years. Uh, I think when the the uh, the first two, the Richard Donner cut, whatever, came out on DVD, I uh, I got that as a gift uh, for Christmas or something one year. And so that was the first time I really had sat down and watched whenever that was. But definitely not not something of my childhood, so not something I'm nostalgic about. But but really enjoyed the first two, just never kind of ventured for. Because Superman's never kind of been my uh, superhero of choice. Um, so It's not, it, it's interesting because it's not. I grew up watching it, and I guess I do have a little nostalgia for it, but I, I, two points I just didn't make, uh, and I just want to do it real quick, is that especially Superman 1, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hold back. It doesn't, it doesn't assume that everyone watching is a seven-year-old child, and, I, and, and you know, that, that's, that's really important. The Williams score is amazing, and uh, yeah, I, I could, you know, that ending still gets me, but it's not my preferred version of Superman, ironically enough, but I think, you know... Superman 78 is just un- unbelievable. There, there is a uh, a small tie-in where you mentioned the John Williams version. So uh, I went to the University of Georgia. Every, uh, even when I went there and still to this day, when they go to the fourth quarter, you know, they uh, everybody holds up the four fingers, you know, for the fourth quarter. The band plays Krypton and the crowd Oh, synchronizes wow. like the four uh to the da, 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 which is really cool and now in the past couple of years 
the stadiums went through a lot of renovations and they've got all new like LED lighting system and stuff. So the lights go completely out. Everybody turns their cell phone light on and they have kind of like red LED lights in the cell phones. And it, it's awesome. It's worth uh, looking on YouTube to that Krypton at UGA. It's, it's an awesome moment. Well, I'm glad they picked that song because that's actually, you know, I mean, everybody knows the Superman March, but, you know, the planet Krypton is that's such a that's such a sick needle drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Chad, we'll now go to you. Give us the first century in your Mount Rushmore of underrated films and or franchises. I mean, this this was tough. These these lists were tough for me because I think this is something that's kind of through your own prism. And we're in different chats where certainly these movies that I pick kind of came up more often than not or on the underrated list don't come up as much. Um, so so I picked a franchise. My first pick I'll, I'll talk about is is one that, that just had an entry that came out. And I think all the movies are held in high regard. But at this point, uh, I really think it's the best action franchise in cinema history. And that's Mission Impossible. Um, I mean, the first one I did watch as a kid. My parents took me. We were at the beach and I went and saw it and absolutely confused the crap out of me. I, I can really vividly remember being totally confused on what was going on with the uh, with the knock list and the computer lingo and whatnot. But uh, as I go back and watch it, it, you know, it's it's a clever movie that for its time was state of the art. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 is what it is. It has some stylistic choices from John Woo. Um, You know, I think easily the worst of the entry. I wouldn't go as far to say it's a bad movie, but not great. I'm not going, you know, die on that hill. Mission Impossible 3, I think, is kind of forgotten about overall. A really strong Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um character arc and he's probably the strongest villain actually throughout the franchise and then you know it was dormant for a few years and came back with ghost protocol and they have that scene in dubai that's just a great set piece of action uh and then it just you know it's it's knockout blow after knockout blow i love rogue nation I think fallout is up there with mad max fury road as my favorite action movie period from probably 2010 through current and then the the last movie that just came out this year like i mean it's probably my fifth favorite fourth or fifth favorite in the entire franchise but a very strong entry into the series the train action sequence the final 30 40 minutes is a great action set piece and it brought a lot of things into motion for part two that comes out next year, uh, which I can't wait to see. So, so I, I love the mission impossible series. I think the team of Ethan and Luther is, uh, is just a, a great kind of team up and everybody has their specialized role. Um, and just overall, I love it. I mean, to me, it's, it's a less, I guess, problematic James Bond. And I still like a lot of James Bond movies and franchises, but um, in entries, but but I just think Mission Impossible so far, besides Mission Impossible 2, is just banger after banger and continues to set the bar uh, for exciting action movies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always this has been always been kind of like an interesting franchise for me. I mean, you pretty much could say this is what made Tom Cruise into an action star. And yeah. um and yeah, I, I remember I don't remember a ton about those first three, but I do remember I was working in movie theaters when the fourth one came out, when Ghost Protocol came out, and it like you said, it did really good. And it seems like, you know, every couple of years I think the one of the things they've done a really good job is releasing releasing all these films, you know, every few years so that it doesn't feel overkill. Um, because just looking at like specifically these last four, um, they're all over 90% on you know, Rotten Tomatoes in terms of critical approval. And obviously the uh, cinema scores are good for them as well. So, you know, say what you will, will about Tom Cruise, but the guy knows, you know, what sells and, you know, him as, you know, he is synonymous with being Ethan Hunt and he is synonymous with this franchise. And it's, um, it is going to be interesting to see how, um, part two of Dead Reckoning does next year. Um, if it's able to kind of, um, meet the same standard as these other films. Um, but I think there's no denying that, um, that Mission Impossible does go down as one of the, the biggest franchises in, um, in cinema history. Um, Johnny, do you have anything else to say about the Mission Impossible franchise? I do have a few thoughts about the franchise. Uh, this is just really quick, though, because Chad mentioned Fury Road. Uh, I, I am very colorblind, which is not like a huge deal. But uh, if you are also and uh, you would like to watch Mad Max Fury Road with a different slant, check out the Mad Max Fury Road Shiny and Chrome edition, uh, which is available for digital purchase. Uh, that is sort of a black and white version. And uh, it's absolutely insane to watch and amazing. So a lot like Chad, I saw Mission Impossible 1 in theaters. I did a double feature with Twister. And uh, I was also extremely confused, especially when Ving Rhames is like, toast, toast. I was like, I'm hungry too. Can we get some toast? Um, <laughs> um, I, I know the one with Henry Cavill is well received, although I'll never forgive, um, forgive it for the mustache. Um, you know, with the whole <laughs> Superman thing. I heard nothing but good things about the latest one. I know it struggled at the box office thanks to Barbenheimer, but I, I stopped at three, and uh, I guess this is the start of the heel turn. Chad, um, my favorite Mission Impossible is Mission Impossible 2. The, yeah. <laughs> the John Woo stylization, the Hans Zimmer score, the fact that it's sort of a secret Batman and Catwoman movie. Um, okay, a lot of people hate Do Gray Scott, like a lot of people think do gray Scott would have been a disaster as Wolverine famously, of course, do gray Scott's supposed to play Wolverine, you know, mission possible took too long to film. He didn't get to play Wolverine. Do gray Scott steals every scene. I don't know why there's something about this performance. I just love it. It's ridiculously over the top and mustache twirling. And, um, I could watch Tom Cruise cartwheel into a motorcycle and grab a gun all day. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I respect the franchise, but I have no feelings towards it aside from, I like to a lot. I, I like that the I I forgot that that's what it was called the Barbie Oppenheimer duo was called Barbie Barbenheimer that's funny <laughs> and the Limp Biscuit song you cannot forget the Limp Biscuit song now I know I know I know <laughs> see it's funny my my main memory with Mission Impossible two was um, the Metallica song I disappeared just because it was all over MTV during two thousand so um, that was that's my my connection with with the second film so okay well i will go ahead and give uh, my first entry on my mount rushmore and this is a film that i felt was 
it's it got it did get some love when it came out, but I feel like it didn't get enough love, especially considering what it was going up against in terms of some of the uh in terms of some of the other films that had come out that same year, and especially going into the awards uh, uh, season at that time. Um, and that's Hacksaw Ridge from 2016. Uh, of course, this was the film based on the life of uh, Desmond Doss and his uh, time in um, World War II. Of course, very famously, he um, he refused to carry a, um, a weapon into battle, yet is responsible for saving the lives of of anywhere from between like 50 to 100 of his uh, fellow soldiers. Um, it was very, very well done. Um, say what you will about Mel Gibson, but he's, you know, he, he's a hell of a director. Um, Andrew Garfield played Doss um, to perfection. Um, he had a really good, strong supporting cast behind him uh, with Sam Worthington, Hugo Weaving, Vince Vaughn. And interesting um, anecdote for me on this one is um, when our theater where I live um, when we were doing like a, a screening of it, we actually had members of uh, Doss's family uh, view the film, which I thought was pretty cool. So, um, again, a film that I think um, deserved a lot of love. It did get a lot of love, but considering some of the other films that had come out around the same time, I think it definitely, unfortunately, got forgotten about, which is a shame because it is a uh, it is a tremendous film, at least in my opinion. Uh, I'm not sure if either of, you, either of you two saw this in theaters or have seen it since, but I will ask Johnny, do you have anything else to say about Hacksaw Ridge? I haven't seen it. Um, I heard nothing but good things about it, especially Andrew Garfield's performance. And I heard a lot about it during the Garfield renaissance when No Way Home came out. So I fully wholeheartedly believe that it is a, a great film. Like I do. Like it sounds, you know, really interesting. I love the idea of, a, of an objector, um, you know, but still a contributor. Um, I just, you know, it hasn't happened for me yet as a viewer, but I believe you. <laughs> hey, Chad? Yeah, I've seen the movie. Great movie. I, I guess my one biggest comment from it is I I did not like True Detective Season 2 at all. And uh, Vince Vaughn playing his serious role was a big uh, detraction, a big reason why I did not like Season 2 of True Detective. Uh, so I thought this was a good like bounce back for him in a more dramatic role. Uh, that I could get behind. So it was like, okay, I don't, I don't absolutely detest anything he does in a dramatic setting. Um, so, so that was nice to see. <laughs> was it better than him in Psycho? Um, that's a, that's an interesting uh, role as well. But yeah, I, I think this is the strongest he is. And it's because it's, I, I, I I never got the sense of like, oh, this is like a funny guy trying to play a dramatic role. You know, I, I've always had kind of him, him and Adam Sandler are the two. And Adam Sandler's been able to break the mold like in, for me and like Punch Drunk Love and uh, Righteous Gems. But um, yeah, yeah, he, Vince Vaughn's been a struggle for sure. But I, I did enjoy him in Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, uh, well, let's go back around to Johnny. Uh, give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of underrated films franchises. All right, it might seem weird at first because when this, when the first of this franchise came out, I mean, it was talked about and also parodied to death. And I sometimes feel like parody sometimes makes us write off all of it, but I, I see parody as a sign of respect, um, which I think a lot of people probably do. And it recently had a fourth entry. It was one of the last big films to come out during the sort of I, I don't know what to call this stage of the pandemic, but it was it was a simultaneous home release and a pandemic theater release. So I know it didn't light the box office on fire, but that is, again, another quadrilogy, 
the Matrix quadrilogy. Now, I, I don't think any time needs to be spent discussing the first one. Um, it did what it did. Now, a lot of people don't care for the sequels, and I get where they're coming from. Um, and I sort of was on the fence as well at first because it wasn't what I expected. But the way that the Wachowskis opened the world up and sort of account for small things within the matrix you know you and 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 it's not really important but you got the little mythology where you know the the villainous programs are like werewolves or ghosts you know and you have um all sorts of expansion of the universe with all new human characters added in and smith walking around as a virus uh which of course you know uh reaches a conclusion in the third one which yes they spend too much time out of the matrix um but getting to see that sort of Dragon Ball, all hands on deck, no limits battle between Smith and uh, Neo in the pouring rain. I love the the multiple Smiths. The, the visual imagery in the Matrix Revolutions finale alone uh, makes that film extremely watchable for me. But I, I un, unabashedly love the fourth one. I think the fourth one is fantastic. It's a perfect example of a movie that didn't need an extra sequel way too long after the last sequel. And uh, Lana Wachowski, God bless her, that is exactly the story she told, how it is unnecessary and sometimes uh, completely uh, derogatory to the legacy of art that when you tack on one of these sequels, it you know devalues the original. And that's what the entire movie is about. It's genius. It is so genius. It's a $150 million middle finger to Warner Brothers. And I've never – it was one of the most brilliant things I've seen in a long time. So that's sort of where I stand on. And I feel like, you know, with bullet time and slow motion and everything, it's like, let's not forget that the Matrix quadrilogy is really good, guys. Let's not forget that. Is it perfect? No, of course not. But it sure is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, like I said, this is a very interesting franchise. Um, obviously, the first one was just so revolutionary for the time uh, when it came out, you know, like you said, introducing the bullet time and um, just it, just all the effects behind it just, you know, was so, you know, it just blew your mind for that time. And I, I don't think, I think Reloaded is not as bad as most say it is. I think it is a little bit more underrated than I think it deserves credit for uh, revolutions. Eh, I can kind of take or leave with that one. And I, I will admit, I didn't see the fourth one. Um, I haven't had a chance to get around to that one yet, but, um, but yeah, I think just based on just the first film alone, um, you know, there's a reason why the matrix has become such a big part of, you know, of cinema, you know, lexicon, you know, just for how and, um, important and uh, revolutionary it was for the time. Um, Chad, do you want to hold off on your comments? Because I know you have this as well, but you might not have it in this one, this segment. Correct. I'll, uh, I'll wait for segment two to uh, form my rebuttal here. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that that, and I I, I joke. I th- I actually can't wait to hear the the other side of that. So that's pretty cool. Okay, well, Chad, we will go back around to you. Uh, give us the next entry on your on your Mount Rushmore of underrated films and franchises. And, and this might be one. I I don't know where Johnny stands on this franchise either, but uh, I'm gonna pick X Men. Um, it was one where you know. It kind of the superhero. I I was not a. I still am not a comic book reader. I never. I you know I've had pockets here and there with like the 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 uh, 
DC reboots that I kind of got into a few of the comics, the the new 52 or whatever. And, um, and you know, for, for months at a time, but it's, it's been kind of fleeting. Uh, so, so in the early two thousands, when the first three, uh, big X-Men entries came out, I was, you know, I knew Wolverine, but I never watched the animated series. I wasn't too familiar overall with most of the characters. And I was really drawn to the uh, the series overall. In fact, I, I preferred it kind of as its contemporary around that time seemed to be like the Spider-Man 2 as well, Spider-Man uh, trilogy. Um, and, and I liked X-Men. I know X-Men 3, again, like it's kind of for me, it's it's the Mission Impossible 2 of the entry series. But um, I, I I don't think it's, again, a bad movie per se. I, I don't think it's great, but it's, it is what it is. But really, the thing for X-Men that has elevated me has been kind of the stuff starting from X-Men first class onward. Um I, I've loved all those movies, and even Logan, which I was kind of uh, expecting to not be as, you know, I, I kind of thought, oh, this is just going to be edgy to be edgy, and uh, had pretty low expectations for. And it's it's one of my favorite like comic book movies nonstop. Like it's up there with like the Nolan, uh, Dark Knight you know in that echelon for me so so x-men is it really if if you ask me like go my go-to superhero kind of franchise where i've enjoyed almost all the entries uh even the ones that are kind of maligned i'm gonna pick Mm x-men yeah um i've you know i i've seen obviously a bunch of the x-men films um i actually had um I didn't have the entire franchise and my honorable mentions. I did have two specifically. I just, um, that I thought were the most underrated of them. I did have X-Men first class. Um, I think that is, a, a much better film than it gets credit for. And I also did have the Wolverine. Um, I think just after, you know, everyone was so disappointed with origins, um, that I think that, and then, like you said, Logan just ended up being so damn good that, um, that I think the Wolverine definitely got forgotten. And, but I think it's definitely a better film than it gets a lot of credit for. Um, I think again, this franchise kind of you know suffered towards the end, um, as you know we were you know because they were kind of the victims of when 20th Century Fox was bought out by Disney, and then obviously we know you know Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix were not that good, and um, I don't know how many people did see the New Mutants in 2020, um, but we'll, but it'll be interesting to see what Disney ends up doing with the X Men um, going forward. But I definitely think um, as a whole, I can see why the uh, X Men series is could be considered underrated and in fact uh johnny also had it on his mount rushmore of underrated franchises yeah um so i grew i grew up on the the x-men cartoon and x-men card sets collectible card sets got me into comic books um and that opened an entire gateway for me i saw the first film five times uh x-men united i think is one of the best comic book movies period x-men the last stand um i don't i don't like um, X-Men first class is tremendous, uh, underrated Kevin Bacon there. Um, but it still sort of suffers from problematic things like, um, and this is for the entire X-Men franchise. And when I put X-Men franchise, I didn't even think about the three X-Men movies and the two Deadpool movies and shit like that. I was just thinking movies that are called X-Men. Of course, Dark Phoenix doesn't say X-Men, but I'll keep going. Um, 
you know, problems like misusing characters, uh, altering characters way too much. Like the Juggernaut, for example, is not Xavier's stepbrother. He is a mutant for some reason. But specifically in First Class, the, when they used Emma Frost in the way that they did, I was like, damn it, because that takes Emma Frost off the table because she's a tremendous character. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past is tremendous. If you haven't seen the Rogue Cut, I recommend it. It's even better. Um, X-Men Apocalypse has problems. There's a few good things there. And Dark Phoenix is the worst movie with like an awesome ending I've ever seen. Uh, I love the ending of Dark Phoenix when they fight on the train, uh, especially Nightcrawler. Uh, but this franchise is, it means a lot to me. Uh, I, I, I am not excited to see what Disney and Marvel do because I, I think they won't do it the way it should be done. X-Men, the X-Men are very serious. I mean, it's a civil rights allegory. And... I, I just I don't I don't understand. I don't think they'll do it right. I don't think they'll do it justice. And if anyone out there was at one point into X-Men comics and fell off, I just recommend starting with the Jonathan Hickman Krakoa run where the X-Men or mutant kind finally decides to say to hell with humanity and they form their own nation. And it goes from there. Because that 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 to me, that's when the X-Men are at their strongest, when they are very, very political. And it's one thing the franchise never really overstayed their welcome with, but they could. I would have preferred a little bit of diving deeper, but that's okay. Ian McKellen's amazing. I mean, the whole thing. Um, uh, except for Gambit. Oh, they ruined Gambit. The fucking Taylor Kitsch. I don't like that guy. But whatever. <laughs> uh, well, if you also want a another kind of, out, uh, you know, you know. Um, opinion on uh, the X-Men. Of course, uh, over on the North-South Connection, uh, Jennifer Smith just recently launched her new podcast, uh, Exposition, with her, Tim Keeple, and uh, they'll have a sorting, uh, rotating guest uh, to talk about the X-Men um, franchise as a whole between everything. So uh, be sure to check that out as well. Um, so I'll go ahead and give uh, my next entry on my Mount Rushmore. And this was another film that came out in 2016 along the time, along the same time as Hacksaw Ridge and another film that was so really well done. And again, just one that kind of um, got lost in the shuffle. Unfortunately, it's a damn shame because it's a probably one of the, probably was the best, one of the best movies of that year. Um, and that's hidden figures. Uh, this of course had um, Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, uh, on top of some other big names, Kevin Costner, Kirsten Dunst. Um, it's about a group of uh, a trio of African American women who are influential in um, helping NASA kind of grow and um, you know, and just um, kind of go through you know get that the whole pro- program of the space race um, situated. Again, it's just so brilliant, brilliantly well done, brilliantly acted. Um, Again, this is, a, like I said, a film that came out during the same time as Hacksaw Ridge. And considering some of the other films that came out during that same time, which I may talk about probably in the next segment, um, I feel like this film, unfortunately, like I said, got forgotten. And I, and which, again, is a shame because it is a fantastic film. And it's definitely one that I think is worth seeking out if you've not seen it. Again, I don't know if either of you two have seen it, um, but I will ask anyway um, if either of you have anything to say about Hidden Figures. Johnny? Um, so I haven't seen the film and, and I absolutely like, I think it's a great thing that the film's out there. I'm I'm so happy. It got a positive response and was somewhat financially successful as well. Um, I hope it has an endearing legacy, but the, the, that, and it's not really historical films. It's just, I have a, I don't know, for some reason for the last couple of years, I just not have not sat down and watched like real movies. Um, just popcorn fare. And, 
I'm making a list, actually. This whole conversation's, you know, wanting me to get back on the horse of actually watching some cinema. So I'll put this on the list because I've heard always heard great things about it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely one worth checking out. Um, Chad? Yeah, ditto. Uh, 2015 through, I would say, 21 is a bad phase for uh, dramatic movies that I happen to catch because it's the uh, it's the kid phase for me. So when you when you have newborns and stuff like that, you're not. Uh, there's just uh, there's there's a lot of good movies I know that are highly revered from those years that I I haven't seen. I have a list for me. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the good things for me about working in the movie theaters is that I got to see the movies for free. So I definitely tried to see as many as I could. So, um, all right. Well, uh, Chad, we'll go back around to you. Uh, Give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of underrated films or franchises. Uh, So so mine again is another franchise. And uh, this one is near and dear to me. And it's Toy Story. Um, I'll, 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 I'll say all four now. I'm taught, you know, X-Men and Mission Impossible do have two movies in those entries that I, you know, don't hate, but didn't think they're really good. You know, I can kind of see some like cheesy appeal for some of those. I mean, I do think like Toy Story 4 is a a good movie, you know, a really good movie, actually, uh, with a nice coda. Now... You know, as we record this, they've just announced apparently they're doing Toy Story 5, which, you know, enough's enough. I also don't include Lightyear um, in this entry because that was a whole different thing, you know, different voice actor for for Lightyear and Buzz and all this. But the first three Toy Story entries, I mean, I, I can make an argument for them that those three are in my top. I don't know, six, seven animated movies of all time, like all three of them. Um, Toy Story 3 is actually my favorite of them. And then Toy Story 2 and Toy Story is number three. All of them, if I rate on like a hundred point scale, they're they're 98 to 100. I, I love all three of those movies. I think they each bring a different vibe. Um it just, uh, you know, Toy Story, the original, has the nostalgic value for me. But Toy Story 3, I loved what they did with Lotso. I, I think he was such a unique character that when you look at Pixar's trajectory around that time, you had kind of, um, you know, Ratatouille, Wally, and Up was their 2007, 2008, 2009 movies. And then 2010 was Toy Story 3. So with Ratatouille, Wally, and Up, those those are great, great movies. But there's not that appeal, uh, really, for a lot of like the kids, younger audience. I don't believe my 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 kids to this day. My oldest is eight. He still cannot sit through Wally. Like it just does not happen yet. Up, I like, and you know the opening scene is is very emotional and it pulls at the heartstrings. But again, not not going to be one of their go tos. Uh, but Toy Story three has always, to me, been able to meld 
that you know generational thing where you know adults can appreciate it the characters have a good complexity to it but it's also a good entry point for the younger audience too so i i i love i love the first three movies so much um and like i said toy story 4 you know still really good like like don't think it's you know very 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 good movie as well so toy story franchise uh, to me, easily the best animated franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally would never have thought consider Toy Story underrated because I think it does get the proper love that it deserves. Um, you know, the first one was so revolutionary for being like the first, you know, computer animated, you know, 3D film. Um, then two, like I said, two just had a lot of great storytelling, great character builds. And then three was the perfect send off, I think, for the film. Um, I agree. I think three is my favorite of the three. Um and I do agree, four is a good film too, but I think a little bit unnecessary. Um, and I, I, I just, and I, I just literally saw about, like you said, about five, which I mean, I don't know at this point if they should. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking over there doing doing a fifth one. It's completely unnecessary. Then, you know, and then like I said, probably the less said about Lightyear, the better. Um, but when you look at um, look at Pixar, there's definitely no question that their their franchise series is always going to be toy story just for what it was able to do for for when it came out um johnny do you have anything else to say about the toy story franchise well i think what they're thinking with making a fifth one is that the dial of destiny only made like 135 million dollars so uh they need to recoup some funds quickly um i mean i agree i think these films are are uniquely under and overrated i'm going to take the middle ground here i think they're um, they're, they're underrated or excuse me, they're underrated in a way that, uh, you know, there's a generational gap in some way, shape and form. And like Chad mentioned, this is a, especially the third one is a tremendous film for adults. I mean, I would argue it might be who it's for in some way, shape or form. It's almost therapeutic in a lot of ways. That last scene is tremendous. Um, and I'm due for a rewatch of the third one, too, with the whole uh, Barbie renaissance. Like, I want to go back because that's where they introduced Barbie and Ken, right? Yes. Yeah, the second the one. Aaron three. Yep. OK, gotcha. With like Michael Keaton and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's when they go to Sunnyside. That's right. And is, is Lotso Kelsey Grammer or Ned Beatty? I don't know why. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Kelsey Grammer. Oh, Niles, all right. But no, the third one's tremendous. I like the second one a lot. The first one I haven't watched in a long time. It might look like a screensaver, but I no, don't really... No, Ned Beatty, you're right. I don't know oh, it was I Ned Beatty? Okay. Yeah, it was. Yep. Well, well he, he's he's Otis from Superman, so we've got brand synergy, pal. Um, <laughs> but no, Toy Story's great. Toy Story's great. It's underrated from a certain segment of age groups who think it's just a kid movie. That's sort of where I was going with that. But yeah, it's great. I mean... Not, a, not an unkind word to say. I do have a question. Did they do Inside Out the year after this? No, Inside Out was uh, 2015, so yeah, it's later. a few years down. Uh, yep. Because that that's my just a, that's my favorite like Pixar flick. Um, but because you know the, the emotional maturity chart, you know they 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 definitely hit like a peak there at some point where it was like they're quality films. Period. You know. So. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. Inside Out to me was a good kind of bounce back um, because, you know, they'd had I, I probably like Monsters University better than most. But when they had it and Brave after Toy Story 3, it was kind of mm-hmm. 
you know, some of the mid mid to low entries. And then uh, Inside Out was also in development at the same time as Good Dinosaur, which is oh, <laughs> which which actually is uh, one of the Pixar movies I've watched the most. My oldest son, I think, was the only person that loved the Good Dinosaur. So we watched that a ton when he was uh, like four and five. Um, I have that yes. with with a uh, brother great. bear. I would <laughs> yes. never have watched brother bear, but my daughter was right place, right time for it, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I I've love Inside Out. And it, I, I like what you mentioned earlier. It's like Toy Story 3, I feel like was there specifically for those that were kids for the first Toy Story in 95. I think that was, uh, I think, because by the time, you know, Toy Story 3 came out, those kids that watched Toy Story when it first came out in 95 were now adults. So yeah. um, I, I like that. I, that's, I think that's great symmetry there. So Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely in a sweet spot age range for that. I mean, the 9 when the first Toy Story came out and 24 when Toy Story 3 came out. So was, you know, just gotten married uh in the prior year or so so it was certainly like one of those like you know moving on with your life and growing up so everything kind of came full circle yeah definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay well i'll go ahead and give my next entry and we're gonna stay on the uh, animated film uh train here as i'm gonna flip over to disney specifically and one of their probably most underrated films in my opinion it's one i've really i really enjoyed the first time i watched it and i think because it comes off after you know arguably the three greatest films that they've ever done um and that's the hunchback of notre dame uh you know it came out after like i said you know you had beauty and the beast aladdin and lion king you know were so great and then pocahontas was eh, it was okay but you could definitely step down and i think they actually definitely bounced back big time with hunchback um the, the imagery is amazing um you have one of the greatest villains in disney history with frollo um some good songs um good voice casting and um the you know it's funny when it first came out in theaters i didn't watch it in the theaters i didn't see it the first time in its entirety until i did my uh wonderful wonderful reviews of disney a couple of years ago and i was just amazed with how how, how well it's held up over these years and, and how good of a movie it was and um i think when you think about underrated disney films this is definitely i think probably for most at least for me i know for me at least um is near the top i think of ones that you don't immediately think about as being a great disney film but i think is definitely um has definitely aged well over time i think so um johnny do you have anything to say about the hunchback of notre dame i love you for putting this on the list i this is the best disney film it really is i love this well i mean I, I I love the Disney and Renaissance classics. Like I grew up with them. Like I have much respect for them. You know, they're not at the top of my list in terms of things I'm going to randomly put on, but Hunchback is so good. When you look at those films, it really is. It has a, uh, the, the gentleman who plays judge Frollo is amazing. Uh, Tony, uh, uh, he's in twins. I don't know what he's in a ton of stuff. Um, Kevin Klein is great. Uh, Tom Hulse is great. The, some of the songs are hit or miss. I love Out There. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I sound like a giant nerd, but it's it's really, <laughs> really good. I would say it's this in Atlantis. I really like Atlantis. But of the musicals, Hunchback is by far the most underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, Tony Jay is uh, was his name, is the 
actor who played Frollo, by the way. Okay, Tony J. Yeah. Okay. Um, Chad, obviously the fellow Disney aficionado. Do you have anything yeah. else to say about Hunchback? Yeah. Uh, second out there, one of my favorite Disney songs. Period. Um, yeah, Hunchback, I, I think, is one kind of similar to what you were saying, Steve. Uh, it's it's one I've appreciated later on. I've I've really, I mean, along with Toy Story. Uh, like you mentioned, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King are th- three of my other all-time favorite animated movies. So I remember as a kid when Pocahontas, Hunchback, Mulan, Hercules, when those movies came out, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm too old for this. It kind of gave them the, the bad rap. Uh, my brother's four years younger than me, so we watched all those movies. Uh, in the theater and I you know I was a little too cool for school but as I've went back and watched them later on in life uh, I've certainly gained an appreciation for them uh, especially Hercules and Hunchback those those are the two that I think have have really raised in my eyes as far as um, where they slate overall in the Disney canon mm-hmm. yeah definitely and I I'd probably throw Mulan in there as well Yes. Um, so, okay. Well, Johnny, you have one entry left on your Mount Rushmore, so why don't you go ahead and give it to us? Just because I'll never have a forum to say about it again. Mulan and Pocahontas were my daughter's go-tos, and oh my goodness, I can sing them with my eyes closed. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> my last one is probably where a lot of people turn this thing off, but I want to preface this by saying I promise I will not get mad, angry, yell, or make fun of you on Twitter and say that you're, you know, stupid or something like that. And I don't endorse those tactics from the people that often talk about these films, by the way. Uh, But it is the uh, DC Extended Universe series of films uh, with a special emphasis on the three ones directed by Zack Snyder. Um, and, And I absolutely understand why people don't like these movies. But, you know, we talked about Christopher Reeve's Superman earlier, and he's rescuing cats out of trees, and that's tremendous and fantastic. And I think it has a place. I love comics like that sometimes. But I appreciate how what they did with Superman was they made him the most frightening thing on the face of this earth. Not because of what he does, but because of how he changes everything. He is literally a god among us. And then you move on to the portrayal of Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, who was absolutely fell off the rocker five years before the movie even starts. And Affleck plays that so well, pulling from, I think, his sort of real life experiences he's going through at the time uh, with his alcoholism and divorce and what have you, and just creates an absolutely perfect version of a Bruce Wayne who has completely lost it. And then you go to the uh, Snyder Cut of the Justice League and all of these themes come to a head. Um, It's a four hour long film. I know that sits unwell with people. I love it because it gives us the time that we need to focus on everything. Is everything perfect in these three films? No. But when you look at the score, the cinematography and, and the caveat icing on the cake is this is how I always wanted to see this segment of superheroes um, on the big screen. You know, Marvel is about everyday people dealing with extraordinary circumstances. And the DC universe is a world where gods walk among us and we are lucky that they let us. So mm-hmm. um, and then the other films are hit and miss. I'm not going to talk any longer, but because it's really those three. I, I get it. If you don't like them, I get it. But I hope when with me giving you this little spiel, it makes sense why I like them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think just because, you know, by the time, you know, when Man of Steel came out in 2013, um, Marvel had already established the MCU so strongly, um, and especially after the year before when the Avengers did so well, um, DC had no... There was not going to, you know, it was going to have a tough hill to climb anyway. And like you said, you know, these, this franchise, this universe is so much different from the MCU. Um, it is, it does feel like much darker, like grittier. And, you know, I'm, I, I'll unabashedly say I liked Dawn of Justice when it first came out. I know a lot of people were not high on it, but I, I didn't mind it. Um, I didn't mind Suicide Squad, the first one. Um, I love Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman. I think that's, one of the best ones of that franchise. Um, I liked Justice League when it first came out. I haven't had a chance to see the, the Zack Snyder cut yet, but I know that's on my short list. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of the more recent ones that have come out. Like, I, I didn't see Black Adam. I didn't see Flash. Um, I know the, we have the current one, uh, Blue Beetle, out. That's getting some uh, good traction right now. But, um, but yeah, I think everyone spent too much time trying to compare this to, to Marvel and the MCU when it was trying not to be like the MCU and it was trying to be something different. So I think, um, you know, maybe in a couple of a couple more years when we look back and we kind of rewatch these films with an, in a new, um, in a different lens, um, maybe we'll see them as, you know, as, you know, good films and as a good, you know, as a good, ex, you know, universe. So I definitely, um, definitely am on your side on this one. I think it is, you know, underrated as a whole. Um, Chad, do you have anything else to say about the DC extended universe? And no, this was this was an honorable mention for me. Um, I, in general, have enjoyed most of the entries uh, in this series. I I think most of them are good popcorn fodder. Ultimately, why I didn't uh, add it to my Mount Rushmore is there's not that one kind of entry or film or uh, character that has multiple movies within the extended universe that I've loved uh, all the entries in. But yeah, I mean, I mean, with everyone, like even like Black Adam, Blue Beetle, and even The Flash, like I watched The Flash from this year. And I, I mean, is it going to be one of my top 10 movies I watched this year? No, but I, I, I in general, like enjoy it. And I, I do think that may be where, you know, not having that comic book attachment or whatever may may help me where I can kind of just take the movies at surface level and don't have these uh, expectations of what the characters should be uh, because I have such knowledge and history with these characters. So so that that could be helped, certainly. But, yeah, overall, uh, to me, a, a, a fun I mean, I would I would categorize it as a fun um, franchise. Can I just mention Aquaman really quick? Because I didn't. I, I I I love the Aquaman film. It's so much fun. It's Final Fantasy underwater. It's Star Wars underwater. In a way, in the way that it is very whimsical and it just feels like its own thing that you can just sort of sit back, kick back, and relax and and enjoy. Um, I I'm I'm done. I go all day. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Aquaman too. I, Aquaman was a was a good film as well. I think. I think just because of the fact that, you know, the whole Amber Heard controversy, I think kind of maybe puts a bad, that film in a bad light. But um, but that's I mean, know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know this isn't the, I, I can't. It, I don't understand that with people. I don't understand. Like, I mean, 
everyone's opinion is is valid and, and it's true to themselves. But at the same time, um, it has nothing to do with the film mm-hmm. as it stands. Right. No, I definitely agree. Um, all right, Chad, you got one entry left on your Mount Rushmore, so go ahead and give it to us. Yeah. So, so, so this, uh, uh, this, this, this entry, I, I was, I was struggling. I wanted to do franchises, and I kind of wanted to put, I guess, a more whimsical pick as my fourth entry. Um, so I landed on Rush Hour. Um, the buddy cop genre seems like something that's uh, definitely out of style uh, nowadays, but but it was pretty prevalent when I was uh, a kid and a teenager, and I remember fondly like loving the first Rush Hour movie and watching it constantly. Um, it was a multiple uh, movie theater experience for me, and then just one that kind of in um, – when it comes on TNT or whatever at midnight and you're winding down, um, it's, it's always good to throw on and, and two and three, you know, they double down and triple down on kind of that formula. And most of those kind of get progressively more maligned in the critical reviews. And I would probably say rush hour one's the best in the entry, uh, especially than three, but, but, I I still enjoy all three of them, and I can throw them on. And again, I'm not going to be, you know, overall emotionally invested. But but to me, these are all three kind of cool buddy hangout movies that you can throw on just past the time with. It could be in the background, or it could be as you're falling asleep. And um, and I I kind of wanted to represent that as a, one of my Mount Rushmore entries. So that, so that's where I landed on. Uh, rush hour mm-hmm. yeah definitely I, I do remember seeing um at least the first two and i you know i thought they were you know good little films um i think uh, chris tucker and jackie chan have great chemistry together as you know as the you know the mismatched partners um so i think they definitely you know bring a lot of good chemistry together um didn't see the third one and apparently there's a f- there is a fourth one in the works um we'll have to see how the um, how that one ends up going but um yeah, I, I mean, I don't have as much of a um, connection with this one, I think, as you do, but um, but I can definitely see why you would um, why you would put it on your Mount Rushmore. Um, Johnny, do you have anything else to say about uh, Rush Hour? Yeah, I love Chris Tucker. Um, it's so funny. I, I, I'll never have another forum to talk about this. Uh, back in '97, I went to a, a special sneak preview of uh, Money Talks with Chris Tucker and Charlie Sheen. I saw it like three weeks before it came out. I saw Spawn, and they're like, "Hey." Just for you, we're here's you know stay after the New Line Cinema presents Money Talks, and of course seeing him in Friday um, when that came out. But I Rush Hour Two was like a dorm room movie. Everybody on my dorm had Rush Hour Two, and I saw it so many times my freshman year of college. And that's the one that stands out for me as humorous. I love when they do Michael Jackson, um, and Chris Tucker says "Come on," it makes me laugh pretty hard. Um, other than that, I don't really have an attachment to it, but it'd be nice if the buddy comedy came back. So, and I totally get where Chad's coming from with the movies I would fall asleep to, or, you know, movies that are just on because you have to write a paper or something like, or, you know, do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, uh, I will go ahead now and give my final entry on my Mount Rushmore. And this is an, a film that, um, Again, when you talk about uh, when you talk about um, when the year came out, it di- it did do very well, and it definitely um, at the time 
uh, got a lot of love, but I think it's kind of fallen off the wayside. And I think even to this day, it does still hold up extremely well, especially for the genre. Uh, and that's District 9. Um, it was uh, an amazing film when it came out. You know, you have this thing where it's like, you know, it's an alien film, a sci-fi film, kind of done in the almost pseudo the first person perspective um you know the the you know the story itself is really good um these aliens you're kind of cornered off in this little um south african ghetto um they're obviously being discriminated against and um it's just such a really you know intense film um it was you know charlotte copley it was his breakout um you know it was that you know you forget that you know Peter Jackson had a hand in it with uh, producing, and it just—I I just remember watching it when I watched it the first time in the theaters. How blown away I was with how incredible um, of a film it was, and I know that um, that uh, uh, Neil uh, Blomkamp has gone on to do some other—you know—he's done some other decent films, but nothing I think as, um, in my opinion, has topped this one. So I definitely wanted to give this a uh, give this a nod for um, being a very great underrated film. Uh, Johnny, do you have anything else to say about District 9? That's so funny. The first thing uh, that comes to my mind when you mention it is a red box because I did not get to this in theaters and this was like a big movie that I kept waiting to come out on red box. Uh, and every time I went to the store, uh, it, someone had seemed to have rented. But when I finally got my hands on it, I really enjoyed it um, and I have not actually seen it since. Every time I see Neil Blomkamp's name, I'm like, oh, that's the guy who directed District 9. Let's see what this is. And every time I feel like I've been more and more less interested, uh, you know, coming to a, a ramping epic conclusion with Gran Turismo from this year, which I did not see. But when I saw he directed, it, I was like, oh, so he's just given up now and he's just he's just taking movies for the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chad. Uh, watch District 9 once uh right when it first came out enjoyed it but um haven't seen it since then and you know <laughs> it's kind of one of those that came and went just because it's been so many years for me but yeah good mention of a uh, former wwe guest host for monday night raw charlito copley there man <laughs> that's right i forgot about that what i'm trying to i think he I think it was right when the 18 came out was when he did the guest host spot. So, yeah, it was it was him and, and uh, Rampage Jackson, uh, formerly of TNA Impact Wrestling, and uh, Bradley Cooper for a few minute for for a few minutes. <laughs> oh, the guest host era! What a uh, what a time for Monday yeah. for Raw. Um, all right, well that will uh, wrap up our main list, but let's now talk about any honorable benches we might have had. Um, Johnny, do you have any uh, other film franchises you want to talk about? Yeah, specifically, I wanted to mention this one. I caught my kid watching, I guess I'd call it, not caught him like in a bad way, but I, I, I walked in the room and he's, he's watching the first one of the remake series. And I sat down and watched it and then started talking to him about which ones I recommend and don't recommend and what have you. And I was like, God, this franchise is so good, but it no one really talks about it. And that's Planet of the Apes. And that includes the original five and the, the, you know, the, the three that have come out since. Um, last two of the recent ones directed by the Batman's Matt Reeves. So that's kind of cool. Um, and I love of the original, The I recommend the first, the third, and the fourth, uh, specifically the fourth. I enjoy the fourth one quite a bit. That's the one where Caesar leads the revolt. Conquest, I believe. Uh, and you get a little bit of uh, Ricardo Montalban as well. But I just feel like, aside from the twist, be having a huge part in our society, like, you know, as a, as a thing, like, damn you, the Statue of Liberty, etc. Like, I get that. But it kind of goes past that, and it's really interesting. And how uh, 
I almost said Peter Dinklage for God's sakes. What is what is his name? Gollum. Why, why am I blanking? This is this should not happen. Uh, Andy Circus. Okay, Andy Circus should have won a damn Oscar for the second one. I just don't understand why that can't be considered a performance. It's kind of rude. Um, but I just you know I'm not gonna die on a hill for it. But I really think Planet of the Apes needs some love. Mm, yeah, and I, I definitely agree on the 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 recent trilogy. I think, um, like I say, Andy Serkis was tremendous. I mean, but if he if they want to give him an Oscar for for his performance as Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, that uh, <laughs> you knew they weren't going to give him any love for for his role as Caesar. But I definitely I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, Chad, I know you mentioned already the uh, DC extended universe, but did you have any other honorable mentions you wanted to talk about? Um, like I said, I, I stuck on the franchise side of things, but I, I'll say the one movie. Uh, standalone that I will kind of give my spiel for, and it, it's highly regarded. It's critically acclaimed, um, but uh, probably the most invested in a best picture race uh, for the Academy Awards that I've ever been was in 2007, and um, that was the year No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood came out. And No Country for Old Men, uh, of course, won. And I, I think that's a, you know, a great movie. But I think There Will Be Blood is, it's one of my top ten favorite movies. And I think best movies of all time. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance kind of gets projected. And and by all means, it's it's amazing. But just the the movie in of itself, I think, is is so gripping and intense and uh i like the finish of the ending of of there will be blood much better than kind of how no country for old men sort of dissolves and just says well you know everything sucks um just in how it kind of gives that anecdotal ending with tommy lee jones talking about his dreams It, it is what it is um, so, so I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to there will be blood as a uh, underrated movie that, that is a, a great movie. It's not just a powerful Daniel Day Lewis performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, I had a couple of other ones. I already mentioned, uh, Wolverine and X-Men first class. Um, another Disney movie that I think is extremely underrated is the rescuers, um, I, I just, um, I really enjoy that film and, uh, rescuers down under is always one of my favorite, was always one of my favorite films growing up. So, uh, I do have that little connection there. Um, I know you, Chad mentioned brave as a weaker entry, but I, I've always loved that, really enjoyed that film. I think it's, um, you know, slightly underrated in my opinion. Um, it, I don't think it's on the same level as toy story as a toy story first three or definitely not inside out, but, um, but I, I don't think it was as, I, I think it was still fairly solid entry um another film i had um kind of a coming of age film that i think doesn't get talked about enough and that's the edge of 17 uh, i believe that came out in uh, 2015 if i remember correctly but it was with uh, Haley steinfeld and um woody harrelson uh, i thought that was a uh, you know for for me not a big fan of those type of films i really enjoyed it i thought it was a really well done uh film and then one more animated film i had on here that was just a, a unfortunately a victim of again timing uh, and that's frankenweenie um, I really liked, liked the film. I think it was really well done. Seeing that stop motion animation, you know, was really beautifully done. Unfortunately, it came out around the same time the first Hotel Transylvania came out, and uh, Hotel Transylvania got, you know, so much pub and so much play that it kind of, you know, it took the win out of Frank and Weenie's sales. So I think, uh, so I think Frank and Weenie deserved a little bit more love than it ended up getting. So, 
but those are some of the other ones I had. Um, all right, well, we'll go ahead now because that wraps up for this first half here. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to flip the script and talk about our overrated films and franchises. And I think this is going to generate a lot of uh, good discussion. Uh, this is Making Matt Rushmore here on the PTV Pop Experience. And we will see you on the other side of this break. And we're back on Mickey Matt Rushmore here on the PTV Pop Experience. I am Steve Riddle alongside Johnny C and Chad Campbell. We are talking uh, movies and franchises. We, of course, in our first half talked some of our underrated films and franchises. And now for the second half here, we're going to be talking about films and franchises that we think are overrated. Uh, this is, I think, like I said, going to generate a lot of good discussion because um, – you know, I think I think we're going to have some very interesting entries of uh, films and franchises that are seemingly loved by almost everyone, but for whatever reason, we don't. Um, we may not feel the same way as everyone else does. And I will go ahead and kick things off here with uh, one of the only uh, franchises I actually came up with between my two lists. And this is a franchise that I never was able to get into. I still, to this day, do not know the appeal behind it. Um, and I was just going to say it, it's the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, ever since the first film came out in 2001, it just, for whatever, it just never interested me. I never saw the appeal. Um, I know everyone, you know, a lot of people love the franchise. I know obviously, you know, there's big names in it. Um, and I know that when, um, that after Paul Walker, you know, tragically passed away when he did that, it kind of, you know, it, you know, brought some sentiment for some, for a lot of fans, but I don't know, just for whatever reason, it just never never appealed to me just you know the idea of you know a racing you know being a racing film and then it, by the time you got to like you know the middle of the series like between like the fifth and sixth ones then it kind of transitioned to being just generic action films um i mean obviously they do very well they make a lot of money um especially overseas but i don't know i just think this is one one franchise that i think just gets too much love and i just don't again just do not see the appeal behind it um i again it might be in the minority but that's just me um chad do you have anything to say about the fast and furious franchise yeah not not one that i'm very fond of either i to me the the whole franchise i i can't i mean it's it's obviously preposterous but 
it's it's a franchise that I don't know whether the creators and the the biggest fans of the franchise are kind of in on the joke or don't don't know it, it, it's one I'm a little confused about I I did uh see the latest entry that came out this year in 2023 just because of uh my regal <laughs> movie pass and um it it was it was preposterous most of the uh set pieces even you know with action you have to uh generally kind of roll your you know turn a blind eye to a lot of uh logical uh decision making but but this even went beyond that i think with jason momoa essentially given his performance as the joker i mean that that's that's exactly what he was uh as the villain character so so yeah certainly not a franchise i'm i'm too fond of yeah it just felt like the, especially these last couple of films is just like how how much crazier can we go with you know the with like the big act you know big stunts and it's like you said it just gets to a point where it's just like you know it becomes like for even for a movie that you know is not real it just feels way too corny so um i think that's definitely a big issue that i have with it um johnny do you have anything else to say about the fast and furious franchise yeah this was on my list as well and um it's it's so funny because chad summed it up freaking perfectly i put this on here because i i think that some people don't realize that we're laughing at them when they say that that they love the fast movies because they're like great films they don't get it and that's what frightens me um i will say i think the fifth one is watchable and i enjoyed momoa's shtick because i felt like he kind of knew what he was doing um yeah, that's it. I quit. These. I, oh, and I like Cena in the latest one, and he's with the kid, just because uh, ever since Peacemaker, Cena sort of puts a, I don't know, I sort of feel like he gets it, but I don't know. I could be wrong on that, too. But yeah, these movies are fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much all we that else needs to be said. Um, all right, Chad, let's go over to you. Uh, give us the first entry on your Matt Rushmore of overrated films or franchises. Uh, so, so I'll give a, uh... My first one, which was kind of spoiled in the first one because it was all Johnny, a first segment because Johnny had it on his underrated. I, I did put the Matrix franchise on my overrated. I I, I think the, my reasoning for that is the uh, the first movie I I like, I think is really good. I don't think it's as good as a lot of uh, its biggest fans think so. Um, so, so I kind of have it in the really good, not quite great, uh, category, um, where I think most would say that it, you know, it is a great standalone movie, but, but really the franchise in of itself is one that I just think like, okay, that was a really good standalone movie. Um, we, we could have ended it there. I, I just don't think we need anything else out of that. Um, I remember the second one, Matrix Reloaded, when it came out in May of 2003, I turned 17 uh, August of 2003. Um, So this was one of the hardest movies I ever had sneaking into um, before I was 17 and was able to go uh, with, you know, without a a guardian or whatever. Uh, So we ended up doing it. 
by befriending a couple strangers in front of us and them saying like they were my guardian. We snuck in on uh, opening night, uh, all our friends. And it it was fine. Like I th- I think with each of the sequels, there's some stylish, uh, interesting shots. Uh, the rain that Johnny mentioned is is cool looking, but everything's so sprawling. Um, they extended the universe so much that to me, like nothing resonates. Like I have no connection to anything. Two through four of those movies are all just kind of a blob of of here's some cool visual stylings um where you know you could tell me different plot points and i can't tell you whether that's reloaded or or uh, revelations or whatnot so so everything's just kind of a jumbled mess to me after the first one and um yeah that's just kind of how i feel yeah, I mean, like I said, it's you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So um, I think it is kind of cool that we do have at least one franchise that, you know, one person thinks it's underrated, one thinks it's overrated. So I think that's nice, a uh, nice little point counterpoint there. So um, Johnny did. Um, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to re- retort in that. I know oh, you no, in the last, it, last it, half. Hey, I think those are all extremely valid points. And I've had those point. I've had those thoughts about this movie myself you know, or this franchise myself, you know, you talked about um, having to sneak in. I, I don't, I have a similar, but different story. Um, I saw when I came, when it came out, I was in college and I never forget. I got out of seeing the movie. I was extremely hyped for it. Um, my girlfriend called me and she's like, Hey, why don't you head over to my dorm? My roommate's gone. And I, I walked in and she's like, Hey, how's it going? My roommate's gone. And I was like, yeah, I got to think about this matrix movie real quick. Like I had to, like, I was so caught up in, how I felt about the film. I was like, yeah, it's cool and everything that, you know, you're my girlfriend, your roommate's gone, but I'd like to think about the matrix for a few minutes. Uh, it, it confused, but also, in, you know, really, really interested me at the very same time. And then the, I feel like in the third one, they expand on things um, that they introduce in the second one when they're in the matrix, but they waste too much time outside. And then it sort of loses me. But the, the fourth one's what really kicks it into gear for me. I think the fourth one is so interesting as a standalone piece of um, almost protest filmmaking in a way. Like it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. They're not protesting anything except the fact that the film exists. It's just so meta. Ooh, it's the word I don't like using, but it, you can't help but think of the pro- the filmmaking process as you're watching it, and it's brilliant to me. So that's what really makes me think it's underrated, mainly the fourth one. So I agree with you on two and three. Like, I understand how you're coming from, where you're coming from. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Johnny, we'll stick with you. Uh, give us the first entry on your Mount Rushmore of overrated films and franchises. All right. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now... I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to a point, and I don't, I'm not like a hater or anything like that, but I think that what they've done is hurt their business model so much that um, it makes it difficult to see anything that they put out now as a product worth consuming uh, because that's all they're giving me as a product. They're not giving me anything that has any sort of artistic merit at all, I feel like, with exceptions. You know, Wakanda Forever was pretty good. Um, Guardians 3 was good. You know, we've had points. You know, No Way Home is sort of like a um, 
a big WrestleMania style thing where it's like, yeah, it was really cool and nostalgic for it. But, you know, there's 14 matches and three of them are good. Um, but looking at the going through the individual list, there are only a few that I would even give the thumbs up to to go ahead and watch solo because, you know, I love comic books. I love reading big events like which would be the equivalent of the four Avengers movies. But the w- nice thing about comics is sometimes I can go back and read individual small runs and still enjoy them just as much as the event stuff. What the MCU has done is made it so I only care about the event films. You know, I'm not going to go watch Thor The Dark World. That's a bad example. But I'm not going to watch, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm not going to go watch Captain Marvel. I'm not going to go watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm not going to watch Iron Man 2. You know, I'm just not going to watch these. And that's, I don't, I could go, you know. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Like, I just, and but I'll keep watching. I'll watch every damn Disney Plus show that drops on that day it comes out. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know. I'm still in, but I'm just like, please, like, recognize you have problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, my relationship with the MCU is that I've, I have always enjoyed the films. Like, I remember working in the movie theater when they were starting to come out, and I remember how big of an event the the first Avengers was when it came out. It was so, you know, just insane. Um, I do think the franchise as a whole peaked with Endgame. And I think if they had actually stopped there, I think it would have been, I don't think anybody would have been upset. It would have been, I think, a perf- the perfect send-off. Um, I do think it has become very oversaturated. Now, I, I think, you know, COVID does have, deserve some of the blame for that because it really wrecked a lot of, you know, things that they had planned. Um, but just between, like, all the, 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 the Disney Plus shows and all the extra films that have come out, it's just... It's like it's become so hard to keep track of everything. There's just so much stuff out there, and it's I can understand why some people would definitely say it's overrated. If anything, like I said, just for oversaturation. Um, so, I, like I said, I mean, I personally would not put it on my list. Um, I do still enjoy the films uh, very much, so. Um, but I definitely can. Um, I definitely see the argument where some people would definitely think it is overrated, especially you know, like I said, now where just with the over, constant oversaturation of everything, it just it, it feels like too much, and it's like it's hard. It's just too too much to keep track of everything. Um, like I said, I, I think if they had just ended with Endgame, I think it would have been a perfect send off. Um, but Chad, I know you had the Marvel Cinematic Universe on your Mount Rushmore as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I. Not much more to add, but I, I agree. I mean, it's it's too much. Even the best films in the series, I think, are really good. Uh, you know, some are great. Uh, like, I'll, I really like the first Guardians. Um, I, I really like Winter Soldier. Um, but but it it's just, I, I think it's one of those franchises where for some now it's it's at a point it was so popular that it it can't be nothing but overrated in my eyes because even like infinity war and in game there there's people that i talk to that i'm friends with that you know they would say like these are one of their favorite movies of all time and that just has never been me like i've never had that type of connection to the mcu as a whole i i've enjoyed it and they had me for a while but now yeah it's too saturated now to where i'm out i mean i i go see the movies but that's it and 
you know, none of the TV, I, I just can't do it anymore. And even the entry points of the movies that I do enjoy and like, I just don't like to the certain degree that the most ardent fans of the MCU overall uh, like the films too. So it has to be overrated in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and give my next entry on my Mount Rushmore. And for me, this this is an interesting one because for me, I have a thing where it's like uh, I can tolerate a bad film if it's at least entertaining, and um, you know, you get some sort of like you know sick pleasure out of watching it. Um, the absolute worst films for me are films that are just comp- that are just boring. And this film, when it came out, got so much love by the, you know, from critics. And I, you know, want, I obviously wanted to see it just to kind of see what it was all about. And I, I honestly, I, I don't know why um, I ended up wasting my time with it. And that's uh, from also from 2016, Manchester by the Sea. Um, it's just so boring so dry um i'm sorry casey affleck is not as good as his brother i know ben's got his own you know detractors but you know he's at least got some good stuff out there as as opposed to you know i don't i just don't see it with casey and the fact that he won best actor that year the academy awards over andrew garfield for hacksaw ridge i thought was an absolute travesty uh andrew garfield acted circles around him in my opinion um and yeah again this is just uh just so dry, so dull. I almost fell asleep during it at some point. That's how bored out of my mind I was. And again, I was still working in the movie theater, so I didn't even pay to see this film. And I felt like I wasted my time with it. So um, this is one I definitely uh, would not recommend um, unless you know, like, maybe this is one that you'd want to fall asleep to just because of how, how dry and boring it is. But uh, I don't know if either, again, I don't know if either you two have seen it, but Chad, do you have anything to say about Manchester by the Sea? I'd never seen it, and uh, you didn't exactly give it the hard sell for me to seek it out. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, go. I would say, yeah, definitely uh, check out. I would say, you know, if you haven't seen either like Hacksaw Ridge or, or Hidden Figures, see that before this one. Uh, Johnny? I haven't seen it, but it cracked me up. I was like, this is um, interesting. I was like, oh, man, he, he's really passionate about this. And then. You, you bring up Casey Affleck versus Andrew Garfield. I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, because, you know, you spoke very highly of um, Hacksaw Ridge. And uh, I, I could see why it might burn you a little bit extra. Um, is Michelle Williams in this? Uh, she is, yes. Yeah, she's all usually she's usually pretty good. Even in Venom, she's having fun uh, because she's making money. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen it. I can't comment. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say... Um... Try to find something else before this one. So, um, all right. Well, Chad, let's go back to you. Uh, give us the next entry on your Matt Rushmore of uh, overrated films or franchises. Uh, so similar to MCU, I think this is such a, a popular franchise that in my mind, just because I uh, don't think very highly of any of the movies actually in this this uh this franchise i you know i i there is some mcu movies i would consider great i i don't know if i'd consider any of these better than very good and that's the uh, harry potter series i i i've found in my life that in general it's um an easy you know there's there's the old saying like you know you realize how young a person is if they can't remember 911 
Well, I've, I've realized uh, people that are younger than me, uh, you know, which I just turned 37, is if they seem to have a high emotional connection to Harry Potter. Uh, I mentioned my brother. He's four years younger than me. He is. He, he loves Harry Potter, read the books, all that series. Uh, I was older, uh, a teenager when the first one came out. And watch the first two in the theater again, kind of going with him as a family outing. Um, and, you know, they were what they were. But then I uh, tried to read the books. I, I read the first five books and then uh, DNF did not finish after that. And I did make it through all the movies and they they were there. They were fine. But I. I understand that, it, you know, it's it's a certain age bracket as the books and it's a coming of age where you kind of grow with the books and whatnot. But, man, like I've, I've read so many fantasy series and all that. And then you have uh, even fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings, which I know is is more advanced, but it's right there. And it's just, I, I, I just can't get into it again on that emotional level. So I uh, pick Harry Potter. Yeah. Again, that's, I, I know um, our good friend, Sean Kidd will be, uh, has become your best friend. Cause I know he despises this franchise, but um, I mean, I'm like you, I, I mean, I, I haven't read the books. Um, I know my, my sister has, um, I, I know she, um, she definitely enjoyed them cause she's a few years younger than me. Um, I do remember seeing all the films, um, at some point I do remember again, being there when they came out in theaters. So particularly the second part of Deathly Hallows was a huge, again, a huge, you know, event. Um, and I mean, I, I did enjoy the first fantastic beast film. I think that is, um, I didn't have it as an underrated film, but that might be, one for me at least um but again if they just done that one and left it at that i think it would have been fine but I, the second one was definitely a step down and i didn't see the third one but i haven't heard that many good things about it and i, I like you said i think as a whole the harry potter franchise is one that it's based on you know i think if you're a little younger you're gonna like it a lot more than if you're a little bit older and i think it's just ones that you know it's always those ones where people that read the books don't like the films because something, you know, that they liked in the books wasn't in the films for whatever reason. And it's just, I think, going to be one of those things that it's going to always be kind of contentious when it comes to adapting books into films. Um, but I definitely see where, like, where somebody like you would think the, this franchise is definitely overrated. And um, Johnny, you actually also had the Harry Potter franchise on your Mount Rushmore as well. Yeah, um, you know... I'll split the difference here. Like I, I was a person that, that did finish the book series and enjoyed it. Um, it's fine. Like it didn't, I'm not like, you know, I gave that impassioned speech about the DC movies. I would never do that for any of the Harry Potter books. They're fine, whatever. Um, but the, the films, it's the best example I can give to someone as a film where the events that occur on screen only happen because they happen in the book. There is no, there's no through line in these films. The films are so uninteresting and we're all just waiting, you know, in each film you're kind of waiting for like the, the, the third act because you want to see how it ties into the overall story. But it's like such a slog to get through these movies. Nothing happens. They're boring and they're not well made. I will say this. I love Daniel Radcliffe though. I'm all for <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. He's so talented and he makes me laugh very hard. Um, but yeah, nothing happens in these movies. They're just boring. And and they'll get an interesting idea, but
but they'll just breeze right past it. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned that because I remember when it was announced that um, they were split, they were going to split Deathly Hallows into two parts. There was a lot of you know pushback behind that because everyone at that point thought it was just a money grab, and um, it you know did it did its job because we would see going forward there would be other um tri- you know series that would do the same thing so i mean twilight did it with um with um breaking dawn uh, hunger games did it with mockingjay um the hobbit did it three times so um you know that the uh, that ultimately set the precedent but um but yeah it's just again one of those things where it's like i think like chance that depending on your age i think it's going to depend on uh, going to affect the how much you like the films or not so um, well, Johnny, we'll go ahead and stick stick with you. Uh, give us the next entry on your Matt Rushmore of uh, of overrated films and franchises. All right. So it's kind of funny because I feel like I'm the Chad when it comes to the Matrix here. Because um, this is a franchise where I think the first one's like, yeah, that's fun. And, and that was definitely a moment in time. And we were all there for it. And I'm glad it happened. And we all got to experience it and laugh and have fun. Um, but then they made a bunch of sequels and expanded their world and mythology and and really took the film way too like they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Disney. This wasn't actually supposed to be a franchise. We just enjoyed this one little kitschy thing. I'm sorry. What are you, you're actually making a thing with? the Oh, no. Um, is that an octopus playing the piano? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, it's the Pirates series. I get it. Johnny Depp's pretty funny a little bit in the first one. OK, that's fine. Thank you. Let's make something else. N- completely unnecessary. That's it. <laughs> uh, short and sweet. Well, I actually I have this as an um, as an honorable mention, and again, it was one of those things where it's like when the first film came out, you know, there was a lot of questions behind it because it's like, how do you take you know a, a you know popular a, you know theme park ride and make it into a full length film but i think having johnny depp there as jack sparrow was definitely a major draw and it definitely provided for a lot of the positivity behind it but then like you said it just you know kept going and going and you know it just was one of those again it was just like you know one a couple too many with the with this uh with this franchise and you know you almost feel like you know johnny depp got pigeonholed into that kind of you know over the top character that he would go on to do with many uh with many of his future roles so um i haven't seen all i haven't seen all the films um i I know there is appeal behind them but i I don't know just i'm kind of like you i'm not really one that's going to go out right away and watch the the pirates of the caribbean franchise um chad do you have anything else to say about this franchise no i agree i mean I, i i don't think it's never a good omen for the franchise overall when Honestly, can't remember is there four or is there five? So you don't even know how many movies are in this series for me. And same, uh, yeah. After after the first one, they really run together, and pretty much it's just Davy Jones and Barbosa, and you know, joining the fray and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll go ahead and give my next entry on my Mount Rushmore, and this one I'm a little scared about because I know if uh, our good friend Miranda listens to this, she's probably going to want to fly over from the Czech Republic here to Vegas and probably give me a stern talking to the fact that I think that one of Disney's most <laughs> overrated films um, in their in their history has got to be Frozen. Um, I I I will just say I did I do like the film. I do enjoy it. I think there are some good elements to it. Um, 
but I do think it is slightly, it is a bit overrated. Um, I know when it first came out, people were saying it's, you know, the greatest film since the Lion King. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of high expectations. Um, it did obviously did extremely well. Um, I personally actually kind of prefer the second film over the first film. I like a little bit more like the character development and the, the song choice in the second film than the first one. I know, um, I think a lot of, you know, my issue too is that when after the film came out, obviously "Let It Go" was everywhere. Uh, you cannot get away from that freaking song. Um, again, it's you know, it, it's is it a good is it a good film? Yes. Um, when I you know did it for my wonderful reviews of Disney, I you know you'll see I actually did give it ten out of ten because I did think it was actually a really good film. I think it was a great film. Greatest film of all time? Eh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. And I do think it does, you know, it's only been out for 10 years now. So I think we have to wait for it to be, you know, for a little bit longer, see where it ends up falling in the pantheon of the greatest Disney films. Um, so in that regard, I do find it very slightly overrated. Um, Chad, do you have anything else to say about Frozen? No, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think it's very good. I, I, I mean, we are only 10 years in, but I do think it's going to have staying power. Um, you know, even as we recorded this, they kind of did a big Disney Parks um, reveal, and they didn't say it, but they, they are building some frozen lands in two of the international Disney Parks, and uh, they kind of hinted that it may be coming to uh, Magic Kingdom as well. Um, with their presentation yesterday, and I, I, I think it's here to stay. I mean, it still seems, um, you know, my niece is four, and it's just kind of went through her frozen phase, and obviously, like she was born after the second movie came out, so so it's 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 one that I think has some staying power, and you know, I I see it again in that you know great you know low end great really good uh category but yeah not an all-time animated classic for me mm -hmm. johnny i might be able to give a, a unique perspective on this um i i disagree i think this is uh properly rated um but i my daughter was three when i took her to see this and uh, she loved it. It was a big thing for me. I really enjoyed taking her to see it. And then, you know, the soundtrack and the watching it at home, sort of that parent thing that you go through. Like, it, that was the first time we ever went through it as parents. Like, oh, man, she's obsessed with, like, an entire media franchise thing. Uh, I've never seen the second one, but the the first one just sort of has that place in my heart. Like, you know, it's, it's good. And, and, you know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but... That's another thing, like with Mulan and Pocahontas, I could sing it back and forth in front. And and I think where I was going with this is that a lot of for a lot of parents who were parents at the time, this was there. And it's, I guess you could say this with any Disney movie, but this was right place, right time to start like the new Disney renaissance. Like, oh, maybe I should show my kids the Disney movies, you know, and stuff like that. I think that it was sort of like when Little Mermaid came out, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you figure, because right before Frozen, you had um, The Princess and the Frog, which I, I love Princess and the Frog. I think that's an incredible film. That actually, I probably could have put that as an underrated film because that doesn't get talked about enough. And also, yeah, Tangled, which I think um, doesn't get its just due. So um, I think, you know, like you said, Frozen just came out, it just 
happened to come out at the right time and it kind of kicked off like you said this new you know because then we got on a, a string of really great films because after that you had big hero six you had zootopia um, moana um yep. the second frozen um so i mean that was a really good stretch there for disney so um so yeah i mean i i definitely see where you're coming from but i know just me personally i do find it just a tad bit overrated um Okay, well, Chad, you have one entry left on your Mount Rushmore, so why don't you go and let us know what it is? Yeah, I have one entry left. I almost just messaged you, Steve, and just wanted to generic kind of put all horror franchises. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so I I ended up drilling it down, and I I ended up picking Scream, um, because it's more of a contemporary. It's one that again, kind of, uh, just with my time. Uh, my age um it, it was a uh, fun hey you know we're we're kids you know 10 11 but we're gonna watch a scary movie an r-rated scary movie so let's watch scream that was the one we gravitated towards and I, i've always found the first scream to be fun again but um oh overall it's it's i, I just think in general it's kind of a blanket for all horror franchises where i don't know if i could name a horror franchise set of movies where i think there's been more than four or five entries and the franchise has a better than 50 percent hit rate on good movies versus bad movies um you know just going down the list friday 13th halloween etc some of your more well-known um I, I i know what you did last summer as well so i i there's just I always find them to get too contrived and, uh, you know, in of themselves with meta. And again, I kind of relate it to the horror problem. What we talked about on the action side with Fast and the Furious is it gets so preposterous and so ridiculous that I, I just can't take it any serious anymore. And then. I'm just not one that kind of ironically likes, uh, you know, bad movies or cheesy movies kind of on the surface. I mean, there's certainly some that cheesy movies and bad movies that I do like just for whatever reason. But but I'm not going to be a fan like going in knowing that's going to be the case. And I think a lot of these franchises horror franchises have that problem. And the screen movies, the reboots that they've done the past uh two years or whatever the 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 one that came out in 2022 i thought the ending was awful and too meta and uh the one this year was boring so so it's just not it's not a uh a franchise i'm very fond of and it's one that's kind of keeps trying to reinvent itself so so that was my last pick it's more of a generic uh blanket statement for the genre overall to be honest but uh specifically screen yeah, I, I'm obviously not a big horror fan, so I've never seen any of the Scream films. Um, so I can't really comment much on that. I do know that, uh, I mean, like I said, the first one did really well when it first came out because it was so, it, it felt like, you know, a, a, a spoof almost on the horror genre. And it felt very fresh and um, unique at the time. Um, then, you know, two and three, you know, did did what they did. And then four, when four came out in 2011, it did so poorly. It did so poorly. It was like, 
you know, it just kind of flew under the radar that, you know, the fact that, you know, 10 years later, the fifth one comes out and it does so well, you know, you almost, you know, it's, it was kind of mind boggling. Then, like you said, this new one came out back earlier this year and it did very well um, to the point that there's now a, um, a seventh one in the works. So, um, yeah, this is one that, again, just for me not being a horror fan, I can't comment too much on. Um, again, I think it's one of those where it's like you're either going to really like it or you're really not. So, um I think this is where this um, franchise as a whole falls into. Um, Johnny, do you have anything else to say about the Scream franchise? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I, so I totally agree that the, some of the individual films don't exactly work as well as the others, but the first one was very special to me. Um, I remember seeing the theater, like it's never been as smart as it was that first time. I will completely agree with that. And that's really and I, I I'm one of those people that loves a good bad movie. Uh, like I love the Friday Thirteenth film franchise. It's such a fun thing to watch. And I was kind of obsessed with Halloween for a little bit too. Um, I don't find it as interesting as I used to. Um, but you know, I'd put on a cheesy bad Friday Thirteenth movie and fall asleep. You know, that's kind of my jam. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, Johnny, you have one entry left on your Mount Rushmore, so why don't you go ahead and let us know what it is? Well, I don't know. This one might be controversial, and, and I was you know, I was trying to think of a way to summarize this, and I was thinking about franchises that I always hear people talk about, like how good they are, kind of like the Fast and the Furious movies. But I'm like, wait a minute. Are they being ironic about this? And they're saying, oh, they know it's just dumb popcorn fun, or are they saying it like really moved them? And that's what I'm calling the MGM boxing franchise. Now, Rocky is a good film. Rocky four is an amazing film, but the rest of them, I don't know. I don't really care. And I will say this about the Creed films. They got a little bit better, like, but Creed, none of them have held on to their ideas throughout the entire film. They, they seem to sort of let them go by the wayside. And so these are a series of films that have good moments, but some people think they're really good. And I'm like, no, no, they're not really good. <laughs> well, I think our uh, our buddy uh, Scott Criscola would disagree with you. He's probably going to be putting his fist through a wall when you when he hears this because I know he loves this series. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I the Rocky franchise is on actually my shameless that I've not seen any of those films. Um, I have seen all three of the Creeds. Um, I've, I really loved the first Creed. I think that was a great film. Two and three were, were good, but I think they were slight steps down. And um, I have always wanted to kind of see the Rocky films just because, you know, I know how much they're, they're really loved, particularly those first, at least those first four. I know, you know, five is, you know, hit or miss with a lot of people. And then as is uh, Rocky Balboa. Um, so I can't, you know, give a full disclosure on how I feel about the series because I haven't seen them all. Um, it's like I said, they're on my, my list of films. I definitely do want to see, um, but I can see how they're maybe not everybody's cup of tea. Um, obviously, you know, if, you know, maybe if you're not a boxing fan, obviously I've, you know, given Sylve they are pretty much Sylvester Stallone um, vehicles. Um, maybe he's not everybody's cup of tea. So I definitely um, can see where somebody would find it or find them overrated. Um, Chad, do you have anything else to say about the uh, Rocky slash Creed franchise? Uh, I mean, for me, I would I would put this more in the properly rated uh, category for me. I, I I enjoy the films except for Rocky Five. Um, so so I'm a fan of the films. I don't I don't think any are 
amazing, but I, I've enjoyed all of them except for Rocky Five. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I have one entry left on my Mount Rushmore, and this might be um, another controversial one, though I think I might find more uh, supporters for this one. What I think is probably the king of the overrated films, particularly when it did come out when it did, and that's, of course, Avatar. Um, I remember when this film came out in 2009, at the end of 2009, it was so heavily hyped. Um, obviously, you know, James Cameron by that point had already had, you know, obviously many hits. You know, he had, you know, the Terminator series. Um, he had, uh, obviously, Aliens, um, obviously Titanic. Um, and this was, um, I think many, he probably saw this as his magnum opus. And I know when it, and I... I will say I did enjoy the film when it first came out. Um, I thought it definitely visually looked, you know, really cool. Um, Storyline-wise, you know, meh, kind of hit or miss, but, you know, I think it definitely was, you know, fine for what it was. But the fact that it did, I think as the time the years have gone on, I think looking back, people found it, I think, find it now very overrated. Um, obviously, I think it was just a ve- real vehicle for, um, for 3D because it was, like, heavily hyped up in 3D. And... Um, the fact that this was the first film to break $2 billion worldwide, um, you know, and held that record for so long until, um, until Endgame finally surpassed it. But then of course they ended up, this got re-released shortly after and it took the top spot back. Um, I will say I haven't seen the second film. Um, just, I just never got around to it. And I know there's still, there's like three other ones in production. Um, so we'll see how those three end up being, but I think, um, even though it is, um, it was big for its time for the time it came out, and it did set all those records, and um, did do as well as it did. I do think, um, looking back, Avatar is probably, I think, if you ask a lot of people, will say is one of the most overrated films to come out in recent memory. So, um, Chad, do you have anything else to say about Avatar? I have conflicted thoughts on Avatar. Um... Going to Pandora and Animal Kingdom uh, the first time I um, in 2018, it was like, okay, like I didn't know nothing. (laughs) You know, I watched the movie when it came out in 2009, but then forgot about it. And now I'm in this really immersive world with this amazing ride and flight of passage. I was like, well, let me let me rewatch the movie to see if I missed something. So when I got home, I I did watch it again and I did appreciate it more. Um, And I do like the way of water. Um, I kind of see them, though, as more uh, on the Matrix side of things for me is like visually stunning, but kind of plot and emotionally hollow a little bit. But but I do like them more than I like the Matrix sequels. Um, I, I think I think the biggest thing for me with Avatar, though, is, again, like if it's the highest grossing movie of all time, one of the highest grossing movies of all time, um, it's just one of those things where it doesn't equate to the quality. It, it feels like there's a disconnect there. And to use a wrestling example, like when you think of uh for WWE, like the highest attendance they've ever gotten for a show is WrestleMania 32, which again, there's a disparity and, you know, this amazing financial success. And they crammed all these people into this arena to watch this wrestling show. And then the actual quality of the show that you get as the output, same, same can be said really for all out. 
um, at Wembley. I mean, I think that was a better show, but again, not certainly not the best AEW show or one of the best even pay-per-views they've done. It was a good show. Um, so, so that's where I think that the, the disconnect does come in for me with Avatar and where I can see it certainly on an overrated list. Because, I mean, if it's one of the highest grossing movies of all time, just kind of in your head, you think, okay, this is one of the best movies of all time, right? And it's certainly not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Johnny, do you have anything else to say about Avatar? Uh, I mean, I completely agree. It's um, it's too bad, really, because I do think Cameron looks at Avatar as like his thing. And I, I still think Titanic is 20 times better than either of the um, Avatar films. I think that was that's his his mark, you know, that in Terminator 2, um, you know, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that will wrap up our main list. So now let's uh, go over any honorable mentions we might have. I will uh, mention mine first. Um, I already mentioned Pirates, um, the franchise there. Um, Funny we mentioned Titanic. I do have that on my honorable mentions because I do think also that that's a little bit overrated. Maybe not as much as Avatar, but definitely um, I do think it is slightly overrated. Um, I also have, also from the the 2016 kind of um, time frame, uh, La La Land. Um, again, another film that got so much hype behind it, and I, 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 I thought it was a good film. I do like musicals, um, but again, I think it's one that maybe a little bit overrated, especially kind of looking back on it. Um, two other films that definitely um, were considered big award contenders for when they came out, but I think um, definitely a little overhyped and overrated. One was um, 2011's Drive with um with ryan gosling again was one of those ones where it's like you know just got so much hype behind it mainly because of the visual style and you know the fact that ryan gosling was kind of on a roll at that point but i thought it was just kind of like yeah i didn't see the appeal and also the social network um i think uh, especially when what's what's going on nowadays with um with facebook i think um that film's not looked back on too too fondly um, and I think again, when it, when it first came out, it just got so much hype, so much play. And, and again, I think I thought it was a good film, but definitely not one, I think worth all the hype behind it. And then, um, I did have two Pixar films on here that I find that I think are pretty overrated and that's, um, both Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Um, I know a lot of people have those particularly Finding Nemo on the same level as like Toy Story and some of those other films. And while I did like both films, um, I definitely think they're not as good as the Toy Story fran- the Toy Story films. I think there are a couple of other Pixar films that are definitely better than those ones. So I definitely think um, those two, and again, Finding Nemo more specifically, um, I feel like are um, I think are very I think are pretty overrated. So um, Chad, did you have any other honorable mentions you wanted to talk about, or wanted to talk about any of the ones I mentioned? Yeah, uh, I I agree with you on Finding Nemo, by the way. Uh, So two franchises I wanted to mention as well that I almost made the list. You know, I made Justin mad enough with the uh, MCU putting on my list. I'll go ahead and put American Pie, too. I I found those to be decent to okay kind of comedies, but we're certainly not... um, in the uh in the upper echelon of the comedies around my high school college days that i was drawn to um you know like old school wedding crashers etc super bad um and then uh the last one that i almost put was a little bit of a cheat but um i was gonna say the uh, uh batman franchise from 89 to batman and robin i especially the first two films 
Um, I, again, this may be because I was too young to watch Batman in the theaters when it came out in 1989, but when, when I rewatch it, I, there's just, there's, there's certain things that I like, but, um, I just find it a little too cheesy and over the top and the same with like Batman Returns. I know some people really love that movie. Uh, Greg Phillips is someone that comes to mind that just adores that movie and, you know, talks about it like it's being a great Christmas movie and whatnot. And I do think Batman Returns has some of the atmospheric uh, elements that are really cool. But but overall, I, I, I again, put both of those uh, really Batman 1989. I barely put as good, but Batman Returns, I put as good as the ceiling. So so I, I think I'm quite under the biggest fans uh, with that franchise overall, and again with Batman Forever and Batman, even Batman and Robin, which gets banned, but I'd say with Batman Forever, it's kind of had a little bit of revisionist where people talk about how fun it is, and it's a it's a movie I've I've never really related to and thought was way too wacky overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I haven't seen the first two, the like Batman and Batman Returns, that much, so I have like a solid opinion of it. I do remember. I do agree. I think Batman Forever is not as bad as its reputation is, and I don't think I've seen Batman and Robin, so um, I, I can't really comment much about that one. But um, but yeah, I would, and I I do remember I saw the first American Pie, and it was okay. It was it had its moments, but I agree with you. I think it's um, one that's especially as it got you know later on in future ones, particularly like American Wedding and American Reunion. I think it was just it started began getting to be a little too much. So I I would definitely um agree with you on that um johnny do you have any other honorable mentions you want to talk about um i i had the the raimi spider-man films on here i mean i think that the second one is really good but i also think that they i don't know that they're sort of i feel i don't know like i, I did a rewatch of them uh around the time of no way home and i was like i just don't know that it works for this character um you know, that's just my opinion at the time. But I was like, people love these things. And I loved them, too. Well, not the third one. But, uh, you know, I don't know. The second one is, is pretty good. But I don't know. I just felt like as a as a whole thing, it's like, I don't know. I don't know that Raimi works for that character. Yeah, well, it was interesting because I think Raimi at that point was just mainly known as a horror guy. So the fact that he was taking on such an iconic superhero, um, it was it was an interesting notion. And I think I wonder if... um. Having like all those those characters return for uh, No Way Home also gave it a little bit, you know, more love. Everyone kind of remember, you know, remembered how what they felt about those original three. So, um, yeah, so interesting, definitely an interesting uh, choice there because I do remember uh, the first Spider-Man, you know, did so well when it first came out, and then like I said, the second one is you know so loved by a lot of people, and the third one's kind of hit or miss. So, um, so yeah. All right. Well, I, that will well, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't think he's I don't think Tobey Maguire is very good either. That's it. Hmm. Yeah, he's another. He's one that that's um. Yeah, he's hit or miss with a lot of people. So I I do want to bring up one more franchise, Steve. That I I really deliberated back and forth on, um, and that's Star Wars. Nobody mentioned them. I knew I, I, podcast. I, I, um, somebody would get there. Yeah, I, that that one is tough for me because. Again, like when I look at like the hit rate of the movies overall, there's there's some that I I dislike so much, but I for me the highs are so high that I couldn't 
in good conscience put the whole franchise on my overrated, but 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 I I could certainly hear arguments for it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- there's definitely I feel that uh, stuff that's hitting. I think Feloniverse stuff is overrated, um, because I think a lot of people have a sort of connection um, to you know growing up watching things like the Clone Wars and what have you. But when you watch them independent of that. As a person who didn't watch that, they really don't work as standalone pieces of entertainment that, where you can absorb the information because they they can't reference everything. There's not enough time, and they just don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that will go ahead and wrap things up here. We had a lot of good discussion, discussing uh, films that we thought were overrated and underrated. Um, obviously, you know. Leave your opinions as well if you're listening to this. Um, we always like to hear feedback from you guys. So um, let's now go ahead and talk about where we can be found on social media and any other pods we have going on. Uh, Johnny, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just had a new episode of Multiverse of Fabulousness drop uh, the day that we are actually recording this over on North-South Connection. Uh, we did, Keithy and I sort of did just a, a conversation about, you know, wrestling and movies and all facets of entertainment. And we saw where it would take us. And uh, we played a couple of games as well. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun. It was a little bit of a different type of show for us, uh, but you can find us there. And then I do have my own feed as well, uh, the new TNN, where... I've honestly spent a lot of time talking about a lot of the movies that we've talked about tonight. So check that out if you're interested. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chad? Yeah, at Big Boys Play WCW on Twitter. Uh, please like and subscribe to our uh, podcast, all of our uh, podcasts, PTB Pop, PTB and Wrestling, as well as the North-South Connection. And uh, also subscribe to us on YouTube where we're trying to do more stuff uh, visually as well and trying to uh, generate growth in that area. So so give us a like, subscribe, comment. It really helps out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you if you haven't subscribed yet to the, the, to the North South on YouTube, definitely do so. Um, I can vouch for you guys. You do a hell of a lot of good stuff over there. So. Uh, as for me, you can usually find me on this feed here with not just this show, but also the Video Jukebox Song of the Day and Pop Goes the Classics, where me, Andy, and Miranda are going through all the Disney animated films. Our most recent episode, we talked Dinosaur, which was, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was the average film to talk about, but uh, we will, of course, be talking about The Emperor's New Groove next, so uh, looking forward to getting into that one. Uh, also, on the wrestling feed, I have Extreme Resurrection with James Grunberg, where we are going through uh, WWE's ECW from 2006 to 2010. Our recent episode, we talked the two ECWs following One Night Stand 2007, so we talked about uh, everything pre- and post-draft, uh, uh, obviously the saga going on with the uh, supposed death of Mr. McMahon, uh, and we did sprinkle in a little bit of a uh, tribute to uh, recently t- uh, passed away uh, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, so uh, be sure to check that out and check out everything else on that feed um, as well. Uh, I also can be found over on the PTB Facebook group where we got a lot of good stuff going on over there, including our current tournament where we are determining the greatest song of the 2000s. We are over halfway through the first round. We've had a lot of good matchups so far. Big ones still to come. A lot of interesting decisions to this point. (laughs) I still kind of, you know, shake my head some of the, sometimes at some of these decisions but that's what makes these uh, tournaments a lot of fun because we have a lot of differing opinions amongst the uh, amongst the nation so if you're if you want to get in a vote you know and you're not a member of the group let us know we'll bring you in and uh, you can get in a vote 
Uh, so with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Thank you both uh, for joining me. This was a lot of fun, and look forward to talking about what, to what we're, our topic will be next month. So for Johnny C. and Chad Campbell, I am Steve Rill. This has been Mickey Mount Rushmore on the PTP Pop Experience, and we will see you next time.